This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. done and dusted at the ATP finals we have our beers Catherine's got us a new kind of beer which apparently in the bricklayer's arms is always off but yeah because Fulham keep losing they, right. bricklayer's arms runs out of beer every time Fulham lose oh, sorry okay. I just need to be drowned <laughs> <laughs> so anyway fortunately here at the ATP finals it isn't off and we've got three of them um, however there are some sorrows that need to be drowned here as well not at this particular table but walking around the O2 arena I mean, I'm not trying. I'm not laughing <laughs> at you, Roger Federer fans. We've just got doorstepped by a. We've been doorstepped a few times. Well, we just got doorstepped on our way to to meet Matt at the place where they give out the free beers. Yeah. By by a very lovely podcast listener. Yeah. Um, and David made chit chat. He said, "Oh, you watching Federer team?" He said, "Who he's who he's supporting?" He said, "Oh, I mean, I I, I was worried for the blokes." sort of happiness and sanity he so was sort of supporting Federer because you've, you've got to really haven't you don't know how long he's going to be around I know and he sort of walked oh. up he walked Ooh. off into the distance just looking so down yeah and, and, and it I, was sort of pathos I was I was up admit, if you haven't heard the result folks Federer lost 7-5-7-5 to Dominic team. more of that later I was in the commentary box and looking out I'd done the first set and I was looking out over the court and a few seats in front of me, there, there were two rows full of Federer fans and they'd got his picture on draped over the railings and all this sort of stuff. And there was this one sight of this one woman who, I would say she's in her 60s, and she was rolling up a poster which said, Federer, always our number one. And she, f- she rolled it up and put it back in her bag. And that was that. And that sort of sort of summed up the night, I felt, from a Roger Federer perspective. Just didn't happen. Catherine doesn't know what to say about the uh, poster imagery. A logger somewhere is clipping up that footage and marking it as save for Federer retirement VT. 
dear. More than anyone else still, I think, Federer losing seems to have this kind of impact on tennis. Depressive effect. People get really depressed by it. Well, what, what, I mean, ahead of the match, the doubles match this evening was really long and I was caught in the, in the corridor unable to get into the stadium for my commentary, which was slightly nerve-wracking ahead of Federer. And, and there were little groups of, of Federer fans who were all just sort of passing the time of day with each other walking past each other and high-fiving and uh, and saying go on Roger you know it, I think what surprised me and maybe it's naive to to still be at all surprised by the effect that that Roger Federer has on on people and tennis fans but I was a, I was a little surprised that people weren't a bit more swept up in Dominic team in the tennis that he played and the performance that he he was awesome. Awesome yeah. tonight. So good. And I was watching it and I was thinking, team is playing really well here, but what he's not having to do is redline. He's playing kind of within himself and that's good enough to probably beat Federer tonight. Like Federer was okay, not not awful, wasn't as bad as he was against Nishikori in the first match last year here. Shudder. Which... There, he, were, he there, was, were, there was a little flashback in the first game where he duffed a couple of volleys and got broken. I thought, oh, here we go again. But overall, it was kind of six, seven out of ten, probably, for Federer. There was well, enough I good thought he was stuff. better than that. But it is, it's quite interesting to read a player's performance from where you sit. You were up in the press seats up high, weren't you, Matt? Admittedly, I was in the gods, yes. Yeah, I was um, commentating, which I, I find always slightly skews my view of, of a match. Um and Catherine was in the studio. What did you think of his performance? Yeah, six or seven. Six like, or seven, but... And but, I think a but, six or seven for Federer, there's there's good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, but it, a six or seven, and yet I never really felt like he he had the match mm. by the scruff of the neck. I, I never fe- really felt, oh, turning point here, Federer's figured it out, he's got it. It always felt a little bit like he was hanging in there and mm. he couldn't afford to drop that level. That's a at good all. way of putting it. He, it felt to me like the good tennis that he was playing was necessary to even keep it respectable yeah. tonight. He, exactly. was, he was having to react to, yeah. to Dominic Team's missiles. And I found it interesting how much Dominic Team was up at, up at the net because he's not a great volleyer, he, he doesn't have natural feel at all. Um, Daniela suggested he needed some lessons from Nodenovic in the volleying department. Tennis's power couple had a good day. Exactly. Um, But that doesn't mean it's not a good tactic to to be there because it's a disruption tactic. And obviously, if your approach is good enough, you're more often than not not having to hit a particularly skillful volley to to finish off the point. I thought it was, despite him not being one of the world's great volleyers, a good tactic to to get himself up to the net and yes Federer was pulling off you know I can think of a few really cracking passing shots he pulled off but without actually seeing the stats I suspect that Dominic Team won the majority of the points while he was up at the net and it contributed to a general complexion of Federer just never really finding a rhythm or or getting a foothold in that match. I think for me, the thing that struck me about Federer's performance was his footwork, I thought, looked a little sloppy, a little yeah. flat. Normally, Danny and Greg said exactly the same. And the thing is, normally his footwork is so precise. I think mm. when it's slightly off, it's really obvious. It looks like he's really late to the ball. They thought particularly out on the forehand side. Yeah, and that, I think, is that, that's his tell a bit, Federer, when he's not moving so well. He doesn't quite move so well to the forehand. And it was, it's also, I think I've spoken before about Federer's stubbornness. 
being both one of his best assets when he's on because he refuses to budge from his game plan and he just keeps coming, keeps coming with it and players can't cope. It's kind of overwhelming because he just keeps doing the same thing. But when it's off, when his game's a bit off, his stubbornness is a bit of a, is a vice because he, he doesn't necessarily change it up that much. Like I'm thinking today specifically about his just refusal to budge from the baseline against team who's firing these arrows at him, kind of overwhelming him with power. Federer was having to half volley them all the time and he's so good at that, he gets away with it a lot of the time but also he makes quite a lot of errors. Well he thought he was going to rush team into error, didn't he? He yeah. thought he could deflect balls yeah. using team's pace on the half volley, rush him and the team would miss and there were a few times when he would get him on the run and team would still come out with, with a sizzler that... Mm. Doesn't doesn't really matter what you do yeah. against. Uh, it's too hard. You can't you can't control that ball because it's hit at you so hard. In um, Matt's freaking me out with his level of tennis knowledge and perception news for the day. We should probably give an assist for the win to Moritz team. Yes. Who Matt spotted while we were sat courtside recording our other podcast today. Yeah, if you, if you want another podcast, if you don't like this one, um, there's a Fed Cup one that we recorded before <laughs> Federer against team. Um, while Dominic T, or, or shortly before both, Dominic team like. came out to, to warm up for his night session match, and um, from the far side of the court, um, a, a, a young-looking person, sort of a shorter version, actually not a shorter version of Dominic team, he looked nothing like Dominic team. This bloke walked out with a with a uh, racket bag and Matt leaned over and said is that Morris Morris team younger brother of Dominic team and lo and behold it was so he's obviously brought him here as his hitting partner well Moritz team's Wikipedia page this describes him as an Austrian tennis player mm. not brother of Austrian tennis player <laughs> so he's, he's, he's I, a tennis I mean, player in his own right we but... witnessed him hitting tennis balls with the tennis racket today so if that's Eventually, we weren't overly impressed. Well, we, we? We, I mean, for the first ten yeah. minutes, it was rubbish. Yeah. And the t- first ten minutes, I thought Dominic Team's in massive trouble here. <laughs> he can't yeah. play. In, Look in, at him. What's the matter with him? In, in yeah. reading too much into practice. Yeah, news. family loyalty can go too far, Dominic. <laughs> yeah, um, but then it was clearly they were just loosening the arms up because suddenly, after about ten to fifteen minutes, around about the point that the music comes on in the podcast, yes, uh, in the in the stadium, they suddenly started to let rip with these well, with these backhands. Dominic did. Mm. Well, the other bloke was having a go, but it's <laughs> yeah, just yeah, he's having a go. most of his weren't going in the courts. But <laughs> it's never stopped me. Um, but what what I liked? Do you think he edits his own Wikipedia page? Don't Possibly. we all? Do, don't we all do that? <laughs> do you think tennis well, players? Hang on, you have to have a Wikipedia page to be able to edit it. Yeah, well, there are some great tennis trolls on Wikipedia pages, or there have been the the uh, the last line of Tim Henman's. Um, Wikipedia biog used to be um, Tim was signed up for a BBC chat show called Let's Talk with Tim that was Axe after episode one <laughs> I think I've got a screenshot of that somewhere yeah and the, edited by CW <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no edited look, by G Rizetsky. what I what I liked about Dominic Team's performance tonight and we've we talked about it ahead of this tournament is we wanted team to show up. Mm. Now, admittedly, having said that, I then was slightly taken aback by the fact that he got a 4-2 head-to-head against Federer, and I'm thinking, here I am saying that 
team doesn't show up against Federer and that's not fair because he's beaten him twice two out of two this year now three out of three but here I really thought there was a chance that he might go into his shell which he has I mean it's which three, he did here last yeah, year three years in a row he's lost his first round robin match here he's never reached the semi-finals and I thought no we've talked about team when he won Vienna and when he's done ver- various things this year is having just matured and decided right I'm I'm one of the the lads now and I'm not having it I'm not having any of you people pushing me around anymore and that's what we saw in that first set today he came out and he said Roger Federer don't care don't care what you've done in in the game mate it's about this rectangle right here Mm. this ball this racket and it's you and me alright your Federer fans won't help you now John Burke John Burko is had enough of John Burko John, John Burko is in the crowd and he needs he needs to just calm it down a bit <laughs> really, is, doesn't he this is a man that self-published a a book a sort of fan novella about Roger Federer this, I mean Mark Petchy was sent down to quote grab a couple of questions with John Burko and 18 minutes late, later <laughs> I think he only asked three questions halfway through his life story <laughs> He's a talker. Catherine, we're going to run the John Burko interview. We've edited it down. It's only 12 minutes. <laughs> so anyway, he's... Great, an, we give the people what they want. Look, he's an enthusiast for Roger Federer, <laughs> which many are, and many who are listening to this right now are, indeed. Um, but I like the fact that Dominic team didn't give us stuff about any of that tonight. And he just came out and he took him on and he took him out. And this was, you know, he had that 4-2 record against... Federer going into this match there were perhaps a couple of little caveats to that well Dominic Team thought there were big caveats to that because yeah. I asked him about that record pre-tournament and he said oh well I don't really count Indian Wells because <laughs> it basically plays like a clay court and then, and then two of those <laughs> um, were on clay yeah. actual clay yeah and then the other one was uh, was in Stuttgart in on grass rather oddly but when Federer it was that year when he just he hurt his he just had his he was just about to have his knee surgery and he wasn't right over that whole grass court swing. But, you know, you compare this team performance to the one against Federer in the group stages last year and it's night and day. He was so much better today. And that's a that's a just a demonstration of the evolution he's undergone in the last in the last year really. I hereby forgive Dominic Team for putting me through team versus Nishikori Oto Arena. <laughs> 2018 which is the worst tennis match I've ever seen live I mean she's not exaggerating oh no I've I've heard that line and and she's seen us play live (laughs) that is true that had drama and edge best compliment I've ever had Um, the the match you reference isn't that one the one where you said that they don't appear to have strings in their racket yeah, that yeah one, no, Federer, no, that was Federer Nishikori. Federer Nishikori. Um, yeah. How many stinkers Th- were there? There were so Nishikori many bad participated in some year. stinkers. Yeah. I mean, he won that particular stinker. Yes. In fact, he, I think he, he won the stinker against Team as well. Oh, we won some stinkers. Yeah. There was stinker specialist. There was a great crowd comment I heard from up in up in the gods after Federer lost his opening service game. Someone shouted out, "Alexa, turn Roger on." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so 2019. <laughs> I thought it was amazing. <laughs> That's That's so very good. Um, what? <laughs> what sophisticated bants? 
Yes. Yes. Even and it fortunately is just about relatable enough for me to understand it. <laughs> I don't need the Urban Dictionary or anything. Um, I did use the Urban Dictionary today, incidentally, for the word boomer. Do you know what the word uh, boomer? Yeah, that has been going around. Yeah, I got called a boomer because I was questioning the, the validity and legitimacy of the uh, the boxing match between the YouTubers. What were they, what's their name? Oh, KSI. Yeah, and Logan something. I mean, who Logan are these Paul. people? Who are these people? If you listen to them and watch the, watch them, whatever. Gee. Anyway. So I got called a boomer because I was being... Apparently it's an old person who doesn't understand anything that the Is it young baby people boomer? Doing. Yeah. That's, that's what I am, apparently. So anyway. Um, I, th- I, I think my parents are baby boomers. I think you're clear of that. Oh, good. Okay. Right, I'll take that. Um, so we've got now the, the two winners of the of the two group matches because earlier today Novak Djokovic was absolutely emphatic against Matteo Berrettini. The story of this match is that quite similarly to Roberts against Law, it, <laughs> it was two games all and nice and competitive in the first set. And I, I was having a meeting with somebody who who works in BBC TV and and he said, oh. Um, I, I, re- I was really worried in the first two games that this was just going to be a really quick match because, you know, it was Ooh, one love, love 30. There's been a lot of comments over the last yeah. few days that haven't aged well. Yeah, and, and suddenly it was two all, and we're, we're both sitting there thinking, oh, it's, it's quite good, this, it's isn't on. it? It's on, you know, it's on. So anyway, we had a little chit-chat, and uh, about half an hour later, it was 6-2-4 love. Um, and uh, Djokovic just took him to the cleaners. What what happened? I mean, for those that saw the match, what why was this so one-sided? Six-two-six-one against Matteo Berrettini, who, aside from playing against Roger Federer at Wimbledon, has been competitive against everybody. He, to borrow Matt's analysis, which I now apply a version of to every single match that I watch, Berrettini played shots. He didn't play points. And I felt like he played a lot of shots where he was irritated shots. that they didn't turn out to be winners. <laughs> he did the thing that you and I do, David, of hitting one sort of decentish shot and being irritated that it comes back. Yeah. Todd Woodbridge <laughs> said that's in a commentary, to didn't nothing he? against Djokovic. Todd Woodbridge said in commentary at the Fed Cup, you know, uh, don't, don't, don't stand there and admire your mm. shots, which, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that, even when they're not very good. It's the great thing about golf. <laughs> <laughs> Until they hit the tree. Yes. <laughs> and then you feel differently. Um, but Djokovic was very good. Yeah, I think it was one of those performances where to get such a discrepancy in the scoreline, you clearly needed one of the players to be brilliant and one of them to be well off their game. I mean, one of the more alarming stats I've ever seen about Berrettini was that if you include double faults, he hit as many unforced errors as he won points in the match. Which is, I, I'm not, I can't remember really seeing a stat like that before. That's really bad. It was really bad, wasn't it? And he, he was so bamboozled mm. by the experience that he forgot where the exit to the court was and walked to the wrong <laughs> corner. And that was, again, that was one of those sort of just really poignant what, when he was shot, walking like off the, the folding away of the flag he didn't know how to get off the course well he walked to the wrong bit and some somebody had to come over and go oh Matteo it's over there you've got to now walk back past Djokovic <laughs> 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 he, 
looked, he looked so dazed. I'm sorry, I'm not laughing with you, Mate. I'm laughing with him. He had, a, he, had a, he had a hint of a chuckle. <laughs> I mean, bless him. He seems like a really nice bloke, he doesn't is. he? he, he is. <laughs> his press comments yeah. transcript was ever so jovial yeah, in this in the face of this defeat. Yeah, he said, He said, I played a really good match. Well, not really good. <laughs> okay, not, match. Not even good. No. <laughs> but, oh, but, I mean, Djokovic. Hang, on, hang on a second. Did he think that was a good match? I'm. I like the bloke, but I'm alarmed if he thinks that was a good match. No, I think it was lost in translation. Yeah, oh. I think he was talking about the. Ex- he was trying to. He was trying to see the positives of yes. having got here and played and and for an hour and three minutes, won yeah. three games. But his biggest, oh, or one of his biggest weapons, is his serve, and Djokovic was just putting it back on his toes oh, all the time. He's so it's, bloody good at it's that. It's unbelievable how he does that. Yeah, like. It's a line and length, isn't it? Always. Like they, they, they brought up a graphic on Prime that, you know, like 60% of his returns were basically at Berrettini's feet. I mean, how are you supposed to do, you know do anything off that? I don't... I mean, I think within tennis circles now, he's getting the respect for being the greatest returner in the game possibly ever that, that perhaps he doesn't get on a wider sphere... For instance, if, some, if somebody asks me who's the greatest returner ever in the men's game, I would instantly say Andre Agassi, closely followed by Jimmy Connors and, and Novak Djokovic. And the reason I would say that, I'm quite sure of this, is because everybody used to serve and volley. Mm. And if you, mm. it's more spectacular. It's more spectacular yeah. to watch somebody return at somebody's feet or hit a clean winner return and or then have to come up with a second passing shot or a lob. That's more spectacular to watch than it is watching uh, a big serving baseliner belt a serve down and a guy, you know, just put the return back mm. at your feet on the baseline. That's a, I think that's a really good mm. point. So I'd love to watch Djokovic against proper serve volleyers. I'd love to watch that. Imagine watching him against Pete Sampras in his pomp. Please let's not get into intergenerational matchups oh, at this hour when it's our second reality. podcast of the day. Right, I'm just, I'm just saying. This um, is this is the chat we do when we have to fill on Prime. <laughs> <laughs> this it's is just the chat that I do all the time. Guaranteed, no definitive answers. Chase your tail round in circles. <laughs> chat. Yep. It's called the tennis podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the but no, I, I I feel like that that's probably why. It's, yeah, it just doesn't end up creating the kind of headlines that Agassi mm. did. I mean, when Agassi won Wimbledon in 92 against the biggest servers and volleyers in the world on the fastest courts imaginable, that was such a, sh- a shocking sight. But anyway, Djokovic has won. He now plays against team on Tuesday, and Federer plays Berrettini, and the winner goes home, basically. The, the loser goes home in that match. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the winner much. might still go home. Especially given that they both lost in straight sets. Mm. That's that's always a concern in these round robins. So yeah, it's Tuesday afternoon, Federer Berrettini, and Tuesday night, Djokovic team already oh, already really? confirmed. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I, and I'm, I suspect BBC TV, having not had Federer tonight, wanted to make sure they got him on Tuesday afternoon because they, they only get the afternoon sessions. But then, of course, it's Djokovic Federer on on Thursday. Yeah, which will be. I mean, I I just hope that that is live. Yeah, yeah same. I'm not. I'm not yeah. I, yes, I would like Roger Federer to beat Matteo Berrettini. No offence, Matteo. 
but I want Djokovic Federer to be a live match when when that happens. But there is also an interesting potential situation with the number one being on the line, given that it is not completely in Djokovic's hands. He's obviously relying on Nadal losing. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not saying at all that Djokovic would throw a match in order to finish second in the group and therefore face Nadal in the semis if Nadal were to top the group and kind of put that back himself to beat Nadal rather than rely on someone else to do it oh my goodness this is it's an interesting (gasps) psychological thing I think going on in this tournament that Djokovic might might think well if no one else wants to take out Nadal for me I'm going to have to do it myself oh my god you've blown my mind but I need to do it before the final Catherine's open mouthed (laughs) Just putting that out there. I haven't quite got my head around it yet. That's like, I mean, that is. Oh. Do I need another beer to understand this? Get my head around it. I want him to do that. I want him to think. I don't trust anyone to take this guy out. I'm going to do it. Losers. (laughs) Take my fate into my own hands. Yeah, exactly. Throw myself on my sword. Based on Federer's performance today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily be trusting here. Me might not be through. Team, would you trust team to beat Nadal? Maybe, no. but you trust Djokovic more. Fascinating. Oh. Right. But okay. Nadal needs to get out of his so group first. On that yeah. subject, no, no he needs given. to be able to serve. Yeah, yeah. and on that subject, well, this is—I think this is a, a massive problem. Um, he plays Ferrov tomorrow night. Mm. Nadal. Yes, we've seen him in practice. I think most of the reports. Are from the pundits you've got at, a, at Prime, Catherine seemed to feel like he was serving all right, I think. Yeah. It, he was serving full pelt today and yesterday. Mm. I think more today than yesterday. We don't know what it's taking out of him. We don't know how he feels. I'd be but very he, pleasantly surprised if he comes through these three group matches unscathed. He's never lost his Verev. I just feel like uh, yeah, I, I think he's injury. losing to one of he's well, losing to one of them, isn't he? I don't know whether he gets through these matches. I just that is such a difficult injury. If, unless it what's is not one, a difficult injury? No, but if it's not, oh, we've had that, that collarbone. Yeah, but come on. <laughs> no, but like legit tennis injury. But that to serve with a with a dodgy abdominal muscle I don't know how you get through matches without it going unless that is 100% healed yeah I agree but maybe it's 100% healed well, I, I, I if, don't know. if it is then you know he should just say that <laughs> and not make a fool of me anyway he's playing Zverev tomorrow night what do we think he's never lost to Zverev you're saying 5-0 oh. I was saying. You were saying. Sorry, Catherine. I actually produced a stat there, David. Just default. Sorry. Once in a blue moon. Where'd you get the stat? Uh, did you look uh, it up, or did you? My mind. You just, it might not be as cavernous as as Matt's, it was but just, it's there. It's just there. Has its odd moments. Yeah. Well, she was on fire today on the television presenting uh, front. Uh, but anyway, so you feel like. Is I, it going to My go niche s- today was actually identifying the um, music being played by the excellent, excellent DJ. Yes, you were. You did say you you were referencing the names of these bands that were playing, and I didn't know who any of them were. It was a really eclectic mix of just excellent, excellent bangers. Right. <laughs> well, you told me there was Bruce. There which was I Bru- there was Bruce. Yeah. 
slightly depressed. I tried slightly to record. Depressing I, I, in Bruce my excitement, I fumbled in my attempts to record a, a voice message, um, uh, providing evidence that Bruce had infiltrated the O2 Arena. But you just have to take my word oh, for I it. I do. I do. Catherine and Matt are my uh, popular culture guides in life. He's got um, notes, guys, on and, this. And uh, I, I should say <laughs> that um, is producing notes. I, I have got four <laughs> episodes through succession now, and uh, Mike Taylor has got in touch on Twitter and said it's not even close between Succession and Boston Legal. Succession is the TV the cockroaches will watch to explain why they're the only ones left. The people like Coldplay and voted for the Nazis. You can't trust people. That's a quote from something, guys. It's not. It's it's a quote. It's a peep show quote. Okay, it's a peep show quote. Everybody. P.S. Watch peep show. Right. Okay. And if people tell you that's something the cockroaches watch, then just bog off everyone. No, he's. I think he's on your side. No, he's not. I think he is. Yeah. He he's says, calling me a cockroach. No, he's not. He's not calling you a cockroach. Is he saying that it will last forever? Yeah, he's he's saying that the only thing left for the cockroaches will be succession because it's the only thing worth keeping. That is a sophisticated compliment. (laughs) Succession and years and years. As it turns out, there are two ways of reading that quote. (laughs) (laughs) Which kind of sum up Catherine and my various uh, outlooks on life. So where were we? Zverev against Nadal tomorrow. What's happening? Well, obviously, if Nadal's fit, Nadal wins. If Nadal's not fit, I think Zverev will win. So. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, what about the other one? Sitsipas against Medvedev. In the also afternoon. five, love. Awesome. Yeah. To Medvedev. Oh, wow. Interesting quote. Just, just very quickly going back to Zverev and Nadal. Interesting quotes from Zverev in the Sunday Times today talking about the match that he played against Nadal in... Indian Wells. Indian Wells, when he was 18, which would have been, what, five years ago, that volley that he missed. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah. that. On match, was it on Match Point? <laughs> on Match Point, and he said he still thinks about yeah. it a lot. Which I found an in- interesting admission from, from Zverev, who doesn't show us that much vulnerability mm. uh, very often. Um, yeah. yeah. He's, he's actually played okay against Nadal he had obviously had match point there he took him to five in Australia yeah, once that he, was very close mm. to Rome final last year Nadal was saved by the rain um, mm. Zverev was taking him on, on the clay but Zverev's not not that player really he hasn't been this year it's going to be interesting to see which player turns yeah. up tomorrow isn't it whereas Nadal if he's fit he's barely lost a match since June and he hasn't gone worse than a semi-final apart from once all year, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah, it was That's only right. Acapulco, Acapulco, Kyrgios. Um, so, if basically if Nadal's fit, the, the kind of rule is that he mm. wins. So I would, yeah, I'm st- I'm sticking with that. Okay, uh, Medvedev sits a pass. I think you've got to go Medvedev at the moment, mm. haven't you? And on, on this surface, I think this will suit him down to the ground. And can you imagine Sitsipas's press conference if he loses again to Medvedev? Can you imagine the despair and... How much he'll be offering to donate to charity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
on the subject of press... they once pulled him up on that, have they? No, I don't on think the subject so. of press conferences, how quickly did Roger Federer come into his press conference tonight? I mean, I was I was busy in the commentary box, and and it's I, we get a, there's a sort of WhatsApp group uh, to let everybody know when the press conferences are, and it came through Roger Federer in press conference in ten o'clock. Looked at my watch. It's 9.58. Yeah. And uh, so we've got two minutes, and it's not possible to get from the box to the press conference room in two minutes. Where were you, Matt? You were in the gods. Yeah, I was trying to get to the lift, and I wasn't even in the lift, and he was already in press. Yeah. And someone, a journalist, said that he was in Cincinnati earlier this year when he asked to Rublev, and Federer was in press when Rublev was still doing the encore interview. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and this does happen sometimes with certain players when they lose, they just want to get it out of the way. And they'll come off the court. It increasingly happens with Federer. Yeah, yeah. they'll come off the court. Somebody will say to them, How long do you need before the press? And he'll get, he'll, they'll just go, I'll come now. And you I, know, and yeah. I'm still torn on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think you do get a more honest, perhaps immediate, yeah. raw reaction. But equally, they've not really reflected, and sometimes they don't give that insightful answers. I think. You get a you get a good glimpse into their mindset and how pissed I, off they are. I prefer that. Okay, I like the yeah. raw immediacy and no chance to spin it or right. media train it mm-hmm. or anything. No, so there we are. Uh, just here for the aggro, folks. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Yeah. Right. So, so you get it in Medvedev Sitsipas tomorrow. I think that that rivalry needs to get closer for the aggro to catch fire again. It's difficult to have aggro if it's just a really one-sided. Mm. I mean, Sitsipas I think can't give it to Medvedev. I think He's we're getting six a, and zero. We're head getting to a good head. a good match tomorrow, though. Yeah, there I think go. so. We're getting a good close match. Sitsipas so. is going to bring it tomorrow. Lots of their matches have been quite close, and Medvedev's mm. just 
managed to sneak the win. Couple of, uh, let's just give the doubles results here as well. Lucas Kubot and Marcelo Mello won against Dodik and Polasek, 10-5 in the third. Dodik, they were pumped. Dodik was Kubot going Mello. nuts at the umpire about something. It was, yeah. yeah. We were watching on mute, weren't we, David? But yes. I still feel like we could hear it. Kubot did a sort of can-can-style victory celebration, which genuinely made me worry about him doing himself an injury. Hamstring going. Yeah, it looked, <laughs> it looked ropey. Oh, dear. Uh, it, it, that is his celebration. Is it? Yeah. Wasn't there a year when he rather randomly got to the Wimbledon quarterfinals? <laughs> in singles. Coming on I feel oh, like, in singles, yes. Yeah, I feel like he lost to Yuzianovic. <laughs> No, Kubot. Kubot? Mm. Oh, yes, he did, yeah. He Didn't did, he used yeah. to lose to Janovic? Yes, that's it that was rings in, a bell. In the year... Was it the year Mario? Oh, one? yes. You, uh, allow me to remind myself of the <laughs> Kubot-Janovic head-to-head, which is definitely in the recesses of my mind somewhere. Stop making his look bad, Matt. Yeah, but all, all I'm saying <laughs> is... His idea wasn't to invite him on the podcast anyway. All I'm anyway. saying is I've seen that celebration before. Right, OK, well, great for you. <laughs> Delighted for you. Um, talking of umpires, uh, we met Lars Graf today, didn't we? You chased him around the O2. <laughs> <laughs> He's a tennis podcast listener. It's one of my best ever moments. <laughs> we had a very nice chat with him, and Ali Nilly was there. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, Weller Evans, who's former tour manager and board member. Yes. So we had a nice chat. Well, everything's normal at this stage. (laughs) Everything was normal. He was saying how he likes the podcast. And then we said bye. (laughs) Normal. Normal. (laughs) And then David said, he should have got a picture. (laughs) Turn round. (laughs) Last graph, quite a quick walker. Had had, had 30 yards in the distance. And David started running after him. I was imagining I was chasing a Matt Roberts drop shot. He gave me, he gave me, he gave me grief about my predictions. He gave me shit. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, I'm damn. On, I'm on quite a good run, aren't I? Moment. Yeah, he is. Hmm. How did you not predict it's... Yannick Sinner to win the next-gen finals, Well, just, can we, before we get onto that, let's just remind ourselves... <laughs> Ash Barty-related predictions is yeah. David's thing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Ash Barty, French Open champion or Grand Slam champion. Uh, Ash Barty, WTA Finals champion, tick, and uh, France to beat Australia with Ash Barty's heart being broken, tick. So your loss, Ash, is David Law's gain, which is all that matters. Really. Um, so anyway, Ravan Klassen and is it what's Venus? Michael Venus. Michael Venus uh, beat Salisbury Ram. Yeah, six three six four. Uh, and so tomorrow we've got in. The doubles we got Salisbury's up. No, that can't. It's that's the wrong night day. session doubles. Is the one yeah. that I'm. I'm looking at. Oh, I'm yes. very much here for. Mm. Hold on a minute. Let me do the this Alan one Farrow first. against Eber Mayu. Six p.m. Prime. Yes. Tune in. Yeah. Before that, I'll it's try not to cry. Kravitz <laughs> and Mies against Roger and Takao at twelve. Then it's Medvedev Sitsabas. Then it's Cabal Farah against Eber Mahu. I wonder if the kids here. Uh, and then Nadal Zverev. So. Simon Briggs has been playing with Mahu. Yeah, I had, I had dinner with him. An undignified T-shirt. He, he yeah. was, yeah, he was at the. Uh, as a media. We're invited. Some media, not this media. <laughs> we're invited for a hit with the doubles players, and Simon was hitting with Mahu. He said, "Right, can Mahu have a word about the green shirt? Because it was bright. That thing is not. Safely in the bin. <laughs> not, not cutting it. Um, Yannick Sinner." 
Let's talk about Yannick Sinner before we depart because uh, he's won the next-gen finals, 18 years of age. He's thrashed everybody and he's beaten Alex Diminor in the final. And it was spectacular. It was really something. I mean, I, I've heard a lot about him over the course of the year. Oh, it's going to close at 11.30. Yeah, all right, fine. Well, we're going, we're going. Uh, so Yannick Sinner was um, brilliant, uh, but he was... He was more spectacular than I was expecting. I mean, if you haven't seen this guy play, he's he's a strapping lad. He's red-haired. It's he's quite a striking lad to look at because you don't see many pale red-haired chaps uh, on the tennis circuit playing like that. I'm going to just get in there with my Yannick Sinner fact before Matt outshines me with lots more facts because this is all I've got he's from the little bit of Italy where German is his first language much like oh, really? Andrei Seppi oh right that's a good one yep I like that there's, not, a, there's a little bit in the north not the comparison he was hoping for <laughs> I think um. <laughs> <laughs> Andrei Seppi good player not prodigy which Alexander <laughs> appears no. to be um, yeah uh, what struck me watching that was how much the fast four is it format suited him down to the ground because he is someone who plays first strike tennis. He yeah. he was all over De Manor's, um second serve in particular. I think they brought up a graphic that there was a 35 kilometer discrepancy in the pace of their returns of serve, which is huge. That is a huge difference. Um, but Dimonor was unable to kind of make it a, bo- a war, a battle, which is kind of what he's all about, and make it physical and a grind. The sudden death use, the first to four, just doesn't allow him to do that. So my one caveat would be that this really did suit Yannick yeah. Sinner. Yeah, I um, agree. But people, you know, Chung and Sitsapas both then transferred the next-gen success immediately to the following season by reaching the Australian Open semi We had a debate about what we think his future is going to be because, I mean, this this kid looks like he's got yeah. the goods to be a, a significant figure over the next year or two. You you compared him t- to Andrescu. Well, I just, I just I put it out there. I said, could this guy be ATP Andrescu? Not, I didn't really mean in terms of winning a slam in the next year. What I kind of thought was kind of a little bit out of nowhere people don't, haven't really seen much of him make a big impact in a year and get in the top 20 top 10 is that is that possible because we've not really seen that in the men's game someone because he's not really played a lot of juniors sinner so people don't really know that much about him the last two next gen finals champions went on to reach the Australian Open semi-finals in the subsequent Aussie Open yeah I, I've you just said that oh (laughs) I was googling I was googling (laughs) the region of Italy (laughs) oh oh good one there Catherine South (laughs) South Tyrol I've got something else if you want it yeah Yeah. I'm now on a I'm now on a slightly dubious website which is telling me five facts that you never realised you needed to know about Yannick Sinner does it say one is that he's trilingual two is he was a high level skier before he was a tennis player I think we all know that videos are available uh, number three, won three titles in a row in February and March uh, on the Challenger circuit. Four, he has a flat forehand, a blistering turn of backhand and a deft drop volley. Number five is my favourite, though. 
he's a fan of Prison Break, Pizza, Sushi, AC Milan and Eminem. So it appears that he's sort of living in 2002. <laughs> Why do you look at me Which when I say that? might actually be before he was born. Right. Prison Break oh. and Eminem. Oh. What? I do have a good sin wrong with Eminem. So the Next Gen Finals moved arena this year. It used to be played in a kind of exhibition centre. Yes. Now it was in a kind of proper stadium. And it was the stadium where Federer won his first title in Milan 18 years ago. Sinner is 18. He was not born when Federer won his first title. Uh, he's won his first, in a way. I don't think they really count it, do they, the next gen? Have you noticed, have you noticed the, the way stadium. everybody is trying to say who Yannick Sinner reminds them of? He's the new... Such and such. I called him, I said he reminded me of Rublev, who's also next gen. He's the new Rublev. Rublev's the new Rublev. (laughs) I've got one. Oh. Rory McElroy. He reminds me of Rory McElroy. Sort of, you know, cheeky chappy with an absolute dynamite strike of a ball. Mm. Catherine's scrunching. Quite a lot of hair. Yeah. What's that face for? Did you write that headline that said that Zverev was the new Bjorn Borg? No, I didn't. Because they got the same hair. Right, and on that note, uh, I think it's about time we went to bed for the night and uh, and finished our beers. Um, We will be back with another one of these in the same place, no doubt, over the same... uh, beverage um, tomorrow night uh, brought to you in association with The Telegraph executive produced by TennisBalls.com and our mascot Rio with a Y uh, tell your friends about The Tennis Podcast because we've done two of them today and uh, that ain't happening again um, <laughs> but we'll do another one tomorrow and uh, leave us a review on iTunes uh, sign up to our newsletter, there'll be one going out with a correct prediction from me in uh, that in the next day or so and we'll be back tomorrow You've predicted that your prediction will be correct Correct and so it will be. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.